Hello, everyone. Today, I have uh, Gabby Ortega with us. She's a healer, a psychologist, as well as a business and leadership coach. And um, did I miss anything there? Gabby? No, I'm a whole bunch of things, man. Whole I'm bunch a girl of from things. New Jersey. I, you know, what else? Dog mom. <laughs> Very <laughs> good. I think you got the main and, point. <laughs> and you also have uh, um, uh, um therapy coaching. Is that uh, your business? Yeah, and that's correct. Great. And so let's get started. I'd like you welcome to Arash's world here. I'd like you to start off with just telling us a few things about yourself, whatever you think is important or not important, anything that comes to your mind right now, briefly, how would you introduce yourself? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. I feel like I've lived so many lifetimes, right? I feel like we all have. Um, so first and foremost, trauma survivor from complex childhood trauma, PTSD, mental health survivor dealt with um, suicidality, depression, anxiety, pretty much my whole life on and off. Um, and around my mid 20s, I did times I was really struggling to figure out who I was and what my purpose was and what I needed to heal. And so I decided to heal myself, went back to school, got my master's, became a therapist. I double specialized in trauma and early childhood development um, because I really wanted to understand how bullying and um, having a father who um, is mentally ill and very unstable, how that affected me. And so I uh, ended up going through this really deep journey of healing myself, finding my spiritual journey through that as well, being awakened into um, Buddhist meditation and um, higher consciousness. And now I'm in the whole realm of quantum physics and like, I'm like, I've gone down the rabbit hole, but essentially went through my master's, graduated, saw clients, saw that there was a lot wrong with the mental health system as it stands and how much healing the world really needed um, and started home therapy coaching truly as just a way to get out information um, about what I was finding was working for me and working for my clients around healing trauma, around working through mental illness, around specifically around mood disorders and um, finding your purpose and finding your your happiness. And, and for me, I was someone who literally thought I was going to check out off this planet many times. And I was very convinced that this was going to be my existence, you know, this kind of miserable lack of anything, you know, um, lost and angry and frustrated and using substances to cope. And so when I realized I actually had trauma stuck in the body and there was all these things happening, I was like, oh my God, everybody has to know about this, you know? And so part of my social justice and decolonizing, you know, the space of mental health for people is like, you should not have to pay a therapist a million dollars um, to learn how to regulate your anxiety. You shouldn't have to pay a school like I did to get a master's degree to learn how to heal yourself. And so my whole goal is when we can to pass along that information through Instagram and through social media and through the internet and pass it around as far and wide as possible, the things I'm giving to clients. Um, so that we can heal ourselves to then heal the world. And so, you know, I went back to school for then the doctoral level education and I literally like, it was like, oh my God, this is so broken, this system, we need to get this out to everybody. So that's really where Ohm Therapy Coaching kind of grew and it was totally by accident. Um, my page went viral when I was talking about healing my trauma and so many people were like, wow, this is me and I'm trying the things you're talking about and it's changing my life. And um, within, God, like I would say, 
three to six months, we had like a six figure business, mental health coaching um, and helping people kind of walk through their own journey. And then I hired a team and more team and more team and scaled. And within two years, we have a million dollar business. Um, and what we're doing is kind of approaching, um, you know, the healing space and the world of trauma and trying to just heal the world by empowering other therapists and coaches and holistic practitioners and spiritual guides and whoever has um, healing in their blood and wants to do that work to get out there and share their message the same way I did. And so that's kind of the evolution from uh, own therapy coaching as this more mental health space um, now into kind of this mental health resource and uh, this business and leadership resource for those who are self-healing, who are in the healing space, who want to go out there and spread um, the light and help the world really heal from what I believe is just trauma after trauma after collective trauma, um, along with our individual traumas that keep us from really connecting with one another and elevating humanity the way that I know we can. Love it. I mean, there, there's so much I want to comment upon that you're talking about, and it's just like a variety of things I'm very passionate about myself. So uh, one of the things, though, when you look around and you look at when you say angry and frustrated, and you see that's very common, and that seems to be the norm. And it's um, when you also, in a way, it kind of feeds on itself, and you think like, oh, they're angry because of me, or I'm angry as well, and it builds up on it. And then you break that chain and you say, okay, I will heal myself. And then suddenly you have the chance of like spreading that. And so others can be, that's happiness is actually contagious, but so is anger. And so, so are a lot of negative emotions. Mm, that's yeah. something we need to keep in mind that a lot of it is in our hands, in our control. But you mentioned that the traditional ways are not working, and I, I fully agree with you. There seems to be a lack. I mean, when I look at things like uh, CBD, which is quite common, I think it's not digging deep into the problem. It's just kind yeah. of trying to deal with it superficially. So what would you say is your method? You mentioned a variety of things, but what yeah. has really worked for you personally? What would you say? Mm, yeah, and I know this is like going to be what, <laughs> you know, I laugh because I feel like a lot of people talk about this like holistic approach, but I don't think if people really know what the fuck they're talking about, excuse exactly. me. Um, <laughs> so what I like to do is I really am very a curious person. And so I, I have gone through like so many different trainings to try and understand the facets of healing. And it really is a mind, body, spirit thing right? It's psychology and, and traditional therapy is great for the mind, but that's not necessarily great for processing your trauma out of your body. We can talk about things and it's very helpful to create a narrative that's empowering to help us heal, um, to identify what's going on is very powerful to give things names. Um, but like at a certain point, you're still doing the same stuff over and over again. You're still experiencing the same frustrations over and over again. Um, and that's giving it a different name. Right? Yeah. yeah just giving it a different name, but the experiences are still there. And, yeah. Uh, we need to get deep down to it. For me, it was really um, taking psychoanalysis seriously that changed everything where you just yeah. like it's not like okay this wacky idea by this guy freud and so on it's like let's apply it let's kind of look inward and let's try oh, yeah. this out and let's dig in deep and see why am i afraid and in many cases there's so many things we don't see and when it comes to the light it's just so liberating yeah and i hate to tell you guys like it's like all of our dysfunction comes from pain it's like not us, like we can all let that go, which I think was the most liberating part of really taking psychoanalysis and psychology and um, all of the the work and the inner psyche and that inner unconscious space, like really seriously was like, oh, it isn't me. <laughs> but it's uh, one thing they say, you have to face your fears. And I, I completely agree with that. 
but it's not enough. I mean, there is like facing the fear. It's like, you can do it superficially. It's like, yes, I'm afraid of water. I, I stepped into the water. I'm fine now. It doesn't work that way because there is something underlying that's, that's causing it in, a, in our unconscious. And with traditional methods, I don't think they really dig that out. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, a bandaid, but we don't see what's causing the problem there. Yeah. And so I think, and many people, and uh, again, most people when I look around are afraid of fear. And that seems to be, or uh, they seem to run away from it, or they seem to be afraid of acknowledging it, that yes, you know what, I am stressed, I am afraid, I am feeling vulnerable, and this is something that we don't like to admit. And it's actually both genders, this is not something just males do it. So do no, it's are. everybody! Oh my God, me too! Everybody, you know, yes. It's, yes. It's, and here's what I want to offer, it's not a bad thing. Like if we didn't have fear and healthy levels of stress, we would like walk in front of moving vehicles and kill ourselves by accident. Oh, yeah. Like we need to feel fear, but what we, we really need to understand is that we need to understand our nervous systems mm -hmm. because there's the ideological concept of fear there's the intellectual concept of fear. And then there's fear as it activates in the body and as the body processes it and how we actually are, we approach things very top down. I, I think I'm feeling fear. And so my body feels, no, it's the other way. Your body is picking up on a sensation that's uncomfortable. There's an energy, there's something that's happening. It comes from our evolutionary biology as cavemen before we had language, we had our bodies to pick up on um, stuff, our intuition, you know, to keep us from getting eaten by a saber toothed tiger while we're out hunting. So fear to protect ourselves, to survive, we had to avoid things that made us feel fear at all costs because it was going to kill us. The problem is we don't have that same environmental threat that we used to as cavemen, except our bodies um, do not know that. And so mm -hmm. when we're feeling fear, when we're feeling stress, we're activating a very primal fight or flight part of our body and our nervous system. And so the only, and then, and then the thoughts come, you know, the thoughts are actually inspired automatically by the bodily sensations and the mind trying to figure out why am I feeling this way, which is why you can't trust your thoughts because your thoughts are not necessarily accurate. They may be reaching for things. So, you know, when we're feeling the fear, it's like understanding that it's coming from a place of protection and honoring that and not being angry that you feel fear or angry that you feel anger. Anger is the other side of fear. You know, it's another protective mechanism and just recognizing that there's something that's not right. A boundary might be being violated. A relationship not might not be right. You might not be happy with a career. You might not be, something is happening and that's really good information to take in. Don't judge it. And like, it's not gonna kill you. Like you can mm -hmm. move past this, you know? And, and anger and people think sometimes anger against oneself is okay because you're trying to push yourself, you're angry with yourself, you wanna try harder. But then that's actually the anger that is also projected onto others. And yeah. when, when people are angry, um, at this point in my life, I don't take it personally. And I just see it as like a statement upon them. I mean, there is something seriously wrong with you and that's not meant as a bad thing. It's like something that you feel like you wanna reach out and help. Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned holistic and that's something I, I think many people have a misperception of it as well, I think. And so when, when I found out, yeah. it's like, we have basically three hearts. So it's uh, three brains. And yes! so we have the brain, our heart brain, we have the, the, the guts and the gut feeling as well, as well as the head. But yeah. I think a lot of us are just thinking at the, this top part and it's just logical thinking and we're trying to drown out everything else. And that's why we get 
fragmented people, fragmented selves, and mm -hmm. people who think they're happy, but they're not, or people yeah. who think they're unhappy, but they're actually happy. And it's not in harmony. It's because our it's body- out of alignment. Is out of alignment, that's exactly it, yeah. Yeah, and that's like one of the things I think is like, the one of the most important things I work on with clients, and especially I work with celebrities, I work with high-level professionals, corporate CEOs, people who run big companies we all know about, um, been in movies we've all seen. And it, like literally the stuff is the same for everybody. It's like it's regulating your nervous system, finding out what's really driving these emotions and, and being real with yourself, but being kind to yourself in the process. So, you know, we all, we all go through it. There, there is a, a serious problem and difficulty in our society to be real to be authentic. And when, when we go through life, there are all these roles we are playing and then we try to adopt them. We want to be the good, good child, the good son, the good daughter. And then we want to be the good student. And then we want to be the good employee. And then there are things you can say in this context, but not in that context. So basically we have all these different identities floating around. Yeah. And I think what that does, it does fragment us and it just confuse us. Yeah. And then we become preoccupied with others are thinking about us. And usually, and I'm speaking of my own experience, but I think many people have that too. I was like, I can, I'm I feel called out, but like for the sure. Worst. <laughs> we think that we did horribly. And then in the end, when we see it, it's like, oh, I gave a totally bad impression. I had the interview, this job interview, I'm not getting the job. And then I turn out, it turns out I was completely wrong. Yeah. But that also shows us that in many ways, when we're thinking negatively, we are it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that oh, we're, we're manifesting our own those, misery those yeah a hundred percent yeah so how can we do that how can we stop that like uh, i mean some people would say meditation but i think there has to be something more than that where we can really get to the root of the problem my god meditation can be the worst if you have like a really loud inner critic like i do not want to sit there and be yelled at during my meditation for three hours telling me i'm not doing it right you know what i mean like and, and i've seen studies where meditation actually increases anxiety and i say 100%. it's actually bad for people in some ways if you're someone who's a trauma survivor the scariest thing is closing your eyes sometimes being still, like being still. If you have a, I have ADHD. If you have ADHD, being still can be really hard, you know, and being silent. And that's not helpful. That's like more anxiety producing for sure. Um, so I guess like the question was when it, when it comes to what was the question again? I totally forgot. <laughs> so, so how, how can we, how can we deal with that? How can we stop yeah. that? How can we also connect the different parts of ourselves of mm. saying, you know, mm -hmm. and, and not being too worried about what others think, like whether it's uh, uh, our boss at work or it's a person on the bus or people walking down the street or, or our parents. How can we how can we deal with that? What would be your advice here? Wow, that's a long process, but I'll give you like a couple of things that I did, at least for me and my clients that really helped. Um, first, like start by getting to know yourself like you're getting to know a new friend mm -hmm. outside of the roles that you play outside of the friends that you have and what music they like or what movies your partner likes or as a mom or a dad how your children see you um you know like who are you as your individual soul being you know and it was scary i realized for many years i was chameleoning to be whatever would be accepted and everything i did was based on that external validation but also because i had no north compass nor no north node i should say because 
I didn't know where I was going for myself. I was like, oh, let me just be this person for this person and this person for this person. I'll transform into this person for this person. So it starts out with like writing a list of just like, what are the things you love? If you don't know, what are some things you like? What are things you dislike? And just like getting really clear about who you are, what your needs are, what your values are, what do you value? What's important to you? Is the big house and being a lawyer actually really important to you? Does that actually really fucking matter? Or is it the fact that you always wanted to rescue a bunch of dogs and live on a farm somewhere and like have a cute cottage shop or an, you know, a little like, you know, whatever it is, your little dream, whatever your dream is, like, what is that? Are you really happy with where you are? And that's the first step is just being very real and just you know, there avenues to take but essentially anytime that these looking back at your childhood if you can also identify when you started feeling not enough when you started getting messages and from who that you had to dress a certain way look a certain way was it tv was it movies was it mom was it your teacher was it your friends was it's probably a combination of this stuff and really looking back and asking yourself like ooh, like did i make that choice or adopt that personality trait because that was something that was told i should or because like it is me and it's really hard unsticking this stuff really hard and i i think meditation in different ways, you can do walking meditations, cleaning is a meditation, dancing is a meditation, um, move, you can do moving meditations, you can sit really, but whatever you do, finding time to just have a conversation with yourself. If you're out in a walk, that could be a really good time out loud, just talking to yourself. And, and that's how you start to deconstruct a lot of this stuff that, you know, ends up becoming the the automatic thoughts that pop into our head which are really just a record that's been played for a really long time that may not be in alignment with who you are currently mm -hmm. but the, the problem is people don't take the time to think and it's people people are avoiding that conversation it's like it's hard scared. it's hard i know it's it's uncomfortable as well but yeah. then a lot of things surface but the the problem is a lot of people just keep busy and that's a way for me when when people are workaholics so they are constantly on the run I see it as a problem. I see there are yes. <laughs> running away from something from themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's however, it's valued in our society, because you say, look, I'm working hard. I never take a break. And that used to be me, too, as well. I wouldn't take uh, Sundays oh, off. Like it was like a medal if you burned out, like you got a <laughs> yeah. medal, you know? But then you see the damage you do to yourself and you see then the damage that you do to the people who love around you. And you just say, and that question is like, is it worth it? And, and the answer is no, it's not. Yeah. In that many ways, we're just deluding ourselves with these, these ideas. And um, the more you do it, the more stuck you get into that. You know, you just get dragged down. Absolutely. And the more that you tell yourself one day I'll be happy, one day I'm going to work and it's going to be then I'm going to be happy. You're going to die. I don't care. One day you're going to die. You don't know when it is. I got into a horrible car accident that I couldn't have predicted would have happened. I almost died like in 20, oh. I think it was like 2013. Um, that was a wake up call for me because I was like, ah, I don't know how long I'm here. And if you are distracting yourself and running yourself ragged working saying using that as an excuse oh i'm a mom i'm a kid i have no time all right you know i have kids i have no time i have to do this i have to work I, and you're making excuses and it's very convenient and i will say it will catch up with you whether it's when you have a breakdown because you are completely at your limit or when it's you use substances because like that's the only thing that gets you through um you're gonna find that you're gonna be less and less and less happy and there will be a breaking point and you may be able to put it off for a long time but it will happen and what we see a lot of times is the breaking point is when you've had your kids 
you get to a point where they go off to college and all of a sudden you're faced with your life and you're like, you pick your head up and you go and you look around for the first time in maybe 30, 40 years and you actually go, oh fuck, I'm really unhappy. Mm -hmm. Don't wait till that point. Mm -hmm. It doesn't like, don't wait. <laughs> we, we, we procrastinate everything and, yeah. and we do the same with happiness. And that, that's something I used to tell myself too, one day, one day. And then one day I said, well, how about today? You know, and that's like, let's yes! start applying this. You know? <laughs> and it's like, it's a realization. But uh, I see people say, one day I will have free time. I will have money. I will be happy and free to do whatever I want when I retire. And then when they reach that point, they're like, now what? I have nothing because I didn't really have this connection with myself. I didn't really have time to think. And now suddenly I have no job, you know, when you retire and then you just, and people fall into depression, especially also at that age, which is devastating because yeah. you realize you wasted a whole time in many ways. It's heartbreaking. It's really yeah. heartbreaking. And it's like, and I've worked as a therapist with like, and it would be so funny. I was like, when I first started doing therapy, I was like 27, 28. And I was seeing like people in their fifties and sixties <laughs> and working with this clientele and, and, you know, time and time and time again, their severe depression, their severe anxiety was really a reflection of their total paralysis and inability to connect with themselves in a really authentic way to find happiness. And like, it's a, if you could be in the worst situation, I guarantee you, if you dedicate 30 seconds to doing one thing that makes you smile, that's enough. Like every day you can seek joy and you can create that you intentionally seek out that joy, that happiness, that fulfillment, the more of it you're gonna experience and the better you're gonna feel, but it takes your decision to do that. Mm -hmm. and, and and getting the, uh, rid of that fear that's always around us, like the dangling sword of Damocles, it's like over our head. And we just say, we think something bad's going to happen. And then we we don't really dive into, into the day and enjoy the day and the, yeah. the many options we have. In many cases, we are limiting ourselves. Now, this brought to mind, I went to an existential analysis conference and mm -hmm. it was it was amazing. But then at the end, this one person had, uh, this elderly person had the question and said, and it moved me because he said, why hasn't anybody told me this? I wish yes! I had known. And, and I, I felt so sad for him. I was like, yes, but again, that's why, that's again, also my drive now. And that's your drive. hundred percent. Like getting the message out. The other problem is it doesn't resonate with many people. Many people are, are blocking it. Many people don't believe it. Many people think, well, who are you to tell me? And that's when we have to really lead by example. And Exactly. And, that you have and, to inspire and, people into their own healing. I tell people, you cannot force anybody into their healing. Exactly. You've got to do you. And people will go like when Harry met Sally, like that movie, I'll have what she's having because exactly. they'll see your life completely transform. And they'll be like, yeah. damn, well, I guess I can't deny it. I'm seeing it happen right in front of my face. And I want that happiness too. And I've seen it over the past few years where things have completely changed for me because again, I, I confronted that that trauma that you're mentioning, that fear and so on. And it's so liberating. And it's you just realize like everything is so beautiful. Even when bad things happen, you just yeah. take it in a stride. It's not the end of the world, you know? Yeah, this and, is like the human experience. Yeah, but but in, in many cases, we just over-exaggerate. We, we think it's the worst thing that could happen if, you know, you have problems in a, in a relationship, in your job or anything, and it's the end of the world. But it's, we, we, there's so much more and we don't have to react in that sense. We just have to realize the, the power 
we have, the control we have, and how much happiness we can still get from even suffering. I mean, suffering is horrible, but once you feel strong enough, you say, I can see this as a challenge. Yeah. And I can face this and I can deal with this. Um, currently, we're going through one of the most difficult times globally. And I think this is one of the, except the world wars, yeah. of course, but this is one of the most intense experiences of suffering that everybody's feeling across the world. Nobody's yeah. exempt. But at the same time, I see the opportunity as like, we can connect. There's so many ways we all are suffering the same yeah. things, whether it's in this country or that country, rich or poor, it is happening across the world. Mm -hmm. And that can create a platform where we realize we have to all work together, do something, care about each other, have empathy. Yeah. What happens here, uh, it will also happen over there. And everything the world is, we see it, it's not globalization. The world is actually connected in many, many ways, in yeah. profound ways. And this is, I think, slowly coming to light with uh, what's happening with COVID. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it's obviously one of the most horrible things I've experienced in my life. And I'm sure everybody can agree, like, this is like crazy. And I, I do tend to look at it like what a beautiful wake up call. Mm -hmm. Brutal brutal wake-up call mm -hmm. but a but a beautiful one because sometimes we do need a brutal wake-up call to realize what we have here is so special mm -hmm. and that we as human beings have so much potential to create and to innovate and to transform and what we could do I like it makes me want to scream it's like if we yeah. were together if we just learned how to manage our own stuff so that yeah. we could show up and really be there for one another the stuff we can do together in collaboration over competition yeah. is going to change everything it's yeah. the key to everything i think and so you know it starts with this it starts with healing it starts with us being able to do our own work so that we don't carry our wounds into every other situation and let them bleed on everybody else causing them to have more wounds causing other people to have more wounds we have to stop the cycle but it starts with you dedicating yourself to making yourself happy and healing yourself and then it's a reverberating effect that you can't stop <laughs> and, and stepping out of that comfort zone because uh, those of us who lived comfortably and we're safe and we just have the what we're worried about these minor petty things that actually have no value in the grand scheme of things suddenly we are like woken up we're shaken up and th that is happening across and people are reacting in in different ways and yeah. that's when we see the anger and that's when we see the denial and that's when we see fear coming out in all these different uh, heads ugly heads here that's happening and because again that's an emanation of of their trauma the things that they had experienced yeah. and uh when when we look at trauma i think it's and stress and all that these are things that are very common and uh it's it's more common than you think and uh i think pretty much everyone has gone through traumatic experiences oh 100 percent, yeah so why don't why is there this stigma about it why do we pretend to be strong or free of trauma no i'm happy we're a happy family we never had any issues and we're projecting this false image of like security and happiness that is actually does not correspond with reality in many ways in many many families yeah you know i think for everybody it's like there's different individual things that could happen but i think what it boils down to and i don't know if you know brene brown but i think uh you know it all boils down to shame and yeah. feeling like we have constructed this 
false reality of expectations and what we look at as culture and society and then but it doesn't align with us as soul beings and what we really want and what really makes us happy we're following these kinds of paths that aren't aligned for us and um, when we deviate, when things aren't right or perfect, or they don't look the way that they're, they quote unquote should, then that brings up shame. And what uh, Brene Brown, for those who don't know, like she's dedicated her whole life to researching shame and how that drives behavior that's very destructive and harmful um, for ourselves and for other people. And that shame seems to be the most kind of like biggest factor when it comes to people um, changing who they are and like putting themselves in harm's way and like not listening to themselves because they want to avoid so much that feeling of shame it's like the most painful feeling we could possibly experience she thinks so in my opinion i think it's to avoid this feeling of shame this feeling of unworthiness this feeling of something's wrong because then you have to fix it and you may not know how to fix it and then it's scary <laughs> but when you feel that it has its uh, a reason there it has something that caused it right and when it's like and that's when I, I agree with meditation because this like out of nowhere this feeling like yeah i feel unworthy and it's like well why do i feel this way and that kind of psychoanalysis of like let's let's find out like, is it really me or is it my my parents projecting their own fears and unworthiness or is it something that i experienced and i failed and i took it the wrong way interpreted it the wrong way so it's it's once you once you take that out, it's like the the, uh, the pebble in your shoe. And once you take that out, you can walk freely and you're going to be fine. But I thought it would just to continue that analogy in, in traditional psychoanalysis, they give, I'm oh, sorry, in traditional psychotherapy, they would give you like a bandaid. It's like, okay, put this in and that's, that should help you. But the, the pebble is still there. That's exactly but, what it is. I, I use a metaphor that's yeah. a little bit more disgusting. I call it's like a pimple. <laughs> Okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> and then so you have to get that the head out, and that like a lot of times psychotherapy just gets the surface stuff. Exactly, exactly. But trauma yeah. is really, you know, I really, if you're listening to this, and this is like the one thing you take away, the traditional, um, the traditional definition of trauma and what it has been has only really been associated with major trauma. So like living through a war, being assaulted, um, you know, major, major things. What we've actually come to learn because of, um, you know, technology and neuroscanning and um, nervous system research that has been done in the last, like, you know, brain research in the last like ten years, is that. Um, you know, a lot of this, uh, the, everything that we go through relationally, like as children, like that one time that you drew something and you were so excited and you went to your mom and you said, mom, I did this. And she ignored you or was on the phone or said, you could have done better. This is like not your best. And you felt that and that shook you. And then you never drew another thing again. That's trauma in terms of scientifically, the way that it changes the, the shape of your brain, the gray matter structure around relation where, where, you know, relationships and emotions, your emotions are centered in your brain In your body, your nervous system gets triggered into fight or flight because you never want to um, jeopardize that attachment with your primary caregiver. So when they turn away from you, you learn that that's bad. Ooh, okay. So like that's trauma. And that's why when you get older, I had a client who had kind of a similar situation, why her business was tanking because she couldn't access her creative part of her brain because it had been pretty shut down from like this one experience she had with her parent that really um, negatively affected her unconsciously. Mm -hmm. And so trauma, you guys, is not necessarily the major things. It could be like the little things. That's what complex trauma is. The little relational things, being bullied, having an emotionally absent parent, um, 
having an emotionally abusive caregiver, things like that, like little things, be having a horrible break. Like your first birthday is like really horrible. That can also cause nervous system dysregulation, trauma in the brain. So like, just remember, everybody has gone through, if you've gone through an emotionally devastating or, or difficult, very difficult, painful experience, you have trauma in your body if you have not moved it out. Mm-hmm. And it adds up. And, and it adds up and it stays there until you actually feel it and they bring it out and just kind of let it loose, basically. And right. I, I love your point you're making, that it's like, yes, there are different sets of traumas, but we all have it in different degrees. And uh, it does affect us in, in so many ways. And the same with when you look at depression, I think. I mean, we we only treat depression, or we only go and seek mental health when it's a major case. When I don't want to get up and have been like this for like, let's say six months, just a couple of days here and there, oh, it's fine, it's normal. But I think, no, I mean, there are mild cases of of depression that people don't look help for and they don't try to heal that. And they kind of carry it over throughout their lives and they never experience happiness to the degree that you can. Mm. And I I feel myself too. Once once you you get rid of that, it's like magnifies all your beautiful experiences. And uh, I take nature walks pretty much every day. That's another thing that COVID really really brought about for us it's like we have nothing else to do so and when you do that though it's like noticed i look i've noticed the birds i hear other birds it's like oh this bird song is new i hadn't heard this before where before i wouldn't and before i was blind to it i was deaf to it to to everything around me and because i'm like obsessed also with like okay my job my work i have to do this then we have to do that let's go and have fun but it's kind of structured and that kind of like letting loose and being free that is what what i would call again like you said also a type of meditation of like let things be let things flow enjoy this moment in everything that it gives you and don't judge yeah. and i think that is probably the inner critic that we have, the outer critic that uh, others are judging us at all times. I'm an instructor, I judge students all the time. And, uh, and it's like, it's something that becomes ingrained, but it's like, yes, but once I've done with that, let's just not do that. Let's have a judgment-free zone and time. And, and that's something that uh, I try to practice as much as I can. Oh yeah, it is like the hardest thing. And I, I like to tell people if it's helpful to externalize the inner critic because like the soul voice, our voice is only loving, it's only supportive, it's only helpful, it's only looking out for our highest good. That inner critic doesn't even belong to us. I, I call my inner critic, I'm sorry for anybody named Karen for who's been going through this, but I call my inner critic Karen. And I'm like, when Karen comes in, I go, get the fuck out of here, Karen. I don't need you, I'm good, I got this. Um, but usually also the inner critic voice is like maybe your inner child who's really scared and you can look and say, and this is where this, you know, psychology comes in. You can look and say, is this Karen or is this my little inner child who's screaming because they're really scared because I'm about to take a risk. I'm about to do something different. I'm about to let my heart be open with somebody I might be scared about. And is this an, is this an opportunity to actually look at that as a protective mechanism and thank that part of my psyche? Say, thank you so much for looking out for me. And I got this. And that's also how we let go of that inner critic voice. It's not just like, I love myself. I love myself. It's also like, I honor the space in which you exist. Mm-hmm. You are there to protect me from pain. Mm-hmm. And I am my highest self. I got this. And even if I it isn't perfect, I'll be fine. I'll figure it out. And that yeah. kind of easing into that too can help sometimes with that voice. And that's the difference between loving yourself, like truly loving yourself and accepting yourself and arrogance. 
because mm-hmm. arrogance is not loving yourself. It's actually, you hate yourself, but you're distorting it. And then it becomes something really odd and people can sense it. Uh, the other thing I've also learned is really to trust, I mean, that's cliche, but really to trust my intuition. And I'm saying it because I've actually, the, the scientist in me, and I, I'm, I'm, I like to think critically and, and all that, I tried it out and experimented with it. It's like, my intuition was to say the following things, to send this email, to do this, to take this action. And at the moment, the inner critic was like, well, what's wrong with you? That's like the worst thing you can do. That's just yeah. awful. But then I was like, I want to give my, my intuition a chance. And, uh, and it happened. It works out like literally nine out of 10 times. It works out so much better when I lift my intuition. It's amazing. I mean, it's, I, I do tarot cards. And so in, in many cases, that is your, your intuition. But I haven't done it in years because it's like, now it's like, you know, I just, well, what does feel right to me? That's the step I have to take. Even if it's wacky and crazy and seems yeah. like illogical. In the end, it usually works out. Nine out of 10, I think that's my experience too, as well, yeah. Yeah, and it's really interesting because like the, your gut has like something like 500 million neurons. Mm-hmm. So it intuition is not that freaking woo-woo guys. Your intuition is actually these like neurons speaking to your brain and trying to like get, like figure out stuff. Um, and your intuition too is also, um, I find very interesting this kind of more neuropsychological approach to manifestation, kind of looking at the reticular activating system of the brain as like programming it to get what you want. So the idea is like, if you sit there and visualize what you're, what you're wanting to call into your space, you're programming your subconscious to mm-hmm. seek out the people, the places, places, the opportunities, the ways for you to make this a reality. Similarly, um, we tend to focus on the negative, which is why it tends to manifest itself. But mm-hmm. if we switch and actually program our this part of our brain into scanning for the positive, scanning for the, the goal where you're trying to go, um, that intuition is actually the um, byproduct of that manifesting um, practice and that you've programmed and now your body is picking up on something and it's telling you, this is it, ding, 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 the thing you've been looking for. I can't give you words, but do you feel it, right? This is a person yeah, you have to reach out it. to. This is the thing it. you have to do. This is, you have to create this. That is because it's your programming that you've been doing and you've been thinking about and manifesting. That's your body picking up on them, the signals to make it happen. Exactly. So it can go either way, guys. Like it's up to you <laughs> how you want to program it. <laughs> exactly. And, and creativity plays an important role there too, because when you lack it, you're just going the same path. But then you realize, wait a minute, I could turn right here. I can turn left here. I have a choice. I don't have to go this uh, way that I've set myself, this path I've set myself. I can diverge. And I think we're seeing that with many people who are switching their professions now, thanks to COVID. They're realizing there's something else I could do, maybe something else I'm better at, something else I enjoy more. And that's come into, into the foreground as well. Yeah. One thing I've really learned is that uh, um, technology, is is there's so much you can do with it and i was one who was often also hesitant in the past because you know i I, as well i grew up in a time where we didn't have it and i I didn't have an email until i was uh, an undergrad student and and all that so it was like this hesitancy but then you say no it is bringing so many benefits as well i mean there's a downside of course like anything but let's let's just give it a chance and um I'm doing Zoom interviews with you and you, and it's just like the boundary of place does not exist like it used to be because maybe we would have to be in the same place, the same city before, but now 
we can do it through technology. So yeah. it's just amazing. And we see that with the scientists who work uh, across the world. I think they're the, the scientists, I, I just love them for what, what, so what they've created, how they work together. I'm not so fond about the politicians who did the opposite. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, they sometimes even limit the information a scientists are able to share with each other. We're like, yo, we're not in your space. Like, we're just trying to make the world a better place here. Like, we're not involved in your stuff. And, and then there are some who then discredit those, those scientists yeah. as well. And yeah. it's just like, look, there are other ways, different ways of dealing with things. Um, I have myself experienced racism because uh, from my background, I grew up in, in Germany, in Nuremberg, um, which I like to call Hitler's favorite city. And mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a small, very traditional uh, place. And yes, uh, I felt it. But at the same time, some of those people who were racist were also my friends. And I, I appreciated them because they're actually good people. And it, mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also try to understand their point of view and their hurt and their concerns. And in, in, in many ways, when you do that, you just like, you're creating some change instead of just blocking off and say, you know, well, you're division a bridge. and all that. A hmm? bridge, you're creating a bridge, bridge. Yes. rather yeah. than kind of, you know, separating. And the whole thing is like, if you can just, uh, if people can just feel seen and heard, and if you don't agree with them and you feel like maybe they have a point of view that's destructive, the first mm -hmm. way to help them see the light is to not make them feel ashamed about it mm -hmm. and to not cut them off and be angry. It's to understand that this is probably really deeply rooted in programming, really deeply rooted in some other stuff, maybe some trauma. You don't mm -hmm. know what kind of parents this person maybe grew up yeah. with and the kind of household they grew up in. And it's very powerful and it's hard to work through. But the, and for us who are, you know, I'm very white passing, but but, you know, I'm a Cuban. My mother came from Cuba. She's an immigrant. And my father's parents are from there as well. And, you know, it's like for us, it can be very difficult to have these conversations and to hold mm -hmm. space for the anxiety and the, and the trauma that we carry um, from what we've experienced yeah. and like to hold space for the other people. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that also changed, changed the world. And that's also why the healing, self-healing is so important because then when we go, you know, that's interesting. Let's talk more. And then you guys have more conversations and you, yeah. you approach them in a way that they don't feel shame. Then they start to see things differently. And I've seen yeah. this process happen. I've done it with people over and over again. And they go, oh, wow, I had no idea. Now I feel, I feel so, I don't even know. And I'm like, it's okay. Like, let's, it's fine. <laughs> and, 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 and I would have conversation with these friends of mine that I hang out with and they would say these racist things. And this is again, many years ago, I was a teen yeah. back then. But then I, they said, you know what? No, you're different. They told me I'm different. They respect mm -hmm. me, they like me but all the other ones. But they said, you know, when you talk about all the other ones, that includes my brothers, that includes my parents, that includes like people that I know and care about as well. So it's it's not as simple, as clear cut as that. And yeah. at least so I'm making a dent there. So when they think of this guy who was this foreigner, he's actually cool, you know? Representation and matters. That's true. And I think I, I feel that what's happening today across the board and just like all across, we need more of that bridge we need more of that healing of like that stepping forward it's like horrible things happened yes let's get over that collective trauma that we have mm -hmm. and let's create a, a space where we can all learn and heal instead of confronting the others instead of showing aggression because i think although I, it's understandable but it might be even justified in some cases but we need to find something that creates that bridge that link yeah. And uh, we don't see that enough, you know, and then when you go on the, the defensive, that means you just lost the other person. 
There is no communication with that person and you can't get through anymore. And I would like to see a shift in that. But I think, I mean, it's it it takes stages. We have to be patient and many things when uh, we just have to wait and see and hope that things go like a pendulum. It just then goes in the right direction and we find that 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 balance, that harmony among each other. We can disagree. I mean, for me, like people can have believe whatever they want but yeah. when it comes to to other stuff it becomes just so much harder to um to communicate with them because their point of view for them is sometimes everything yeah and, and I, at that point i mean you can also decide where you're where you don't want to put yourself to be re-traumatized and then you just set a boundary and you walk away mm-hmm. you know oh, yeah that's absolutely fine yeah yeah, yeah. And it's again those who who don't want to change you cannot change and those yeah. who don't want it's to sad. They're yeah. going to live in, and for you, if you're like listening and you're like, yeah, and I hate those people. It's like, just know, like those people are really, is they're 10 times more miserable inside than they even portray. Yes. And that's um, a shame and it sucks because they're going to live their lives feeling that way. And that's like, you, we got like 80 years, good years, maybe. You know, mm-hmm. We spend the first 20 trying to figure out who we are and probably making a mess of things. So like, really, you know, we like 60, maybe good years on this planet to really have fun and live and experience joy and pleasure and and abundance of all kinds and like the more we get in our own way because we need to hold on to pain and we need to hold on to fear and we need to hold on to this stuff that why why um you know why uh, because it's uncomfortable you know i don't know but the more we can kind of move away from that and realize okay we can heal we can do this like and the people that don't want to you y'all can go over there <laughs> you're not a exactly. responsibility the right. more of us will get to just uplift each other mm-hmm. and don't worry about those people because they will start to see you rising and they will want mm-hmm. that too and that's how we change the world is just like you said be an example do your own work find your own joy and mm-hmm. like if you're on a yoga mat, like stick to your mat. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing on either side Absolutely. of you. <laughs> Absolutely. Start with yourself. I think that is always the best and the only way to start. And then once you have that, then you want yeah. to, to spread it by example. I think that's what, what people will see. And they say, well, how did you do it? How come you're such a good public speaker? How did you lose so much weight? How do you do that? And that's when you get their curiosity and interest. But then it depends. Do they really want to change? Do they really want to heal? Because it's a commitment and it's going to be difficult. The same way running a marathon is difficult. You can't just say, okay, yeah, now today I'm going to run a marathon. It's the same with uh, with healing. But yeah. in the end, it's so rewarding. It's so refreshing. It's so important. And it changes everything. Oh my God, it changes everything, 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 everything. And I like, I couldn't, what I wish for everybody in this, on this planet is to bite, bite whatever they need to, to get through um, the kind of a little bit emotionally painful process of alignment, of facing yourself, of healing the wounds. Because once you get over that, if you have the resource, work with somebody who can hold space for that and can really safely and, and consciously guide you through that process so you feel held. But like, then live your life. Like, get through it and go live your life and have fun. Because on the other end of that, my God, it's like you think there's a lion behind the door and you open it and it's been a kitten this whole time. And then you actually get to walk right past and go live your life. And the more you deny yourself, the longer you deny yourself, the longer you sit in fear. No, the fear will never go away. You just do it anyway. And then you release yourself and you're free. And it's the best thing you could ever do for yourself. And I hope, I wish that for everybody. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much for your conversation. So people can uh, contact you with the website. I will include your, your link, uh, Om Therapy Coaching, right? Is that OmTherapyCoaching.com. Yeah. And then we have a really um, huge, fun uh, community on Instagram as well. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much for talking to me. It's such a pleasure. It was such a pleasure to talk to you and just so amazing. And uh, thank, thank you so much for all your insight and enthusiasm and, uh, and just ideas. So these bright ideas that you have. No, thank you so much for having me. Take care.